Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Podcast, equipping people to live successful Christian lives. Well, today I want to talk to you about having a big thinking generational mindset. How's that sound? Thinking three. Families that have that kind of thinking, what happens is they see their children as their most valuable resource and greatest hope for the future. So they are intentional about equipping and going beyond where they have gone themselves. You know, the business world has figured this out already, understanding that their greatest investment is in the young people. How much more should God's people be thinking that way for our future, right? That's for sure. It all starts with us right now, you and me thinking forward to children's children, and uh, that you realize you're not done when you retire. There's still a lot of work for you to do, amen, for the kingdom of God. How many of you are with me? Say amen. That's for sure. Simply these two words, think three. Would you say those? Think three. Say it again. The families that leave the greatest influence are families that think long-term, Families that see beyond their lifetime and equip and empower future generations. Think three is about thinking three generations into the future. Great families, great nations see their children, as I said just a moment ago, as their greatest and most valuable resource and their greatest hope for the future. And to invest in the future generations is the greatest investment we can make. This principle is true for a family, and it's so true For God's church. And I want to focus on that aspect today and look at that inside of Scripture. Scripture teaches us that God's plan for His church is that it would get stronger in every generation, not weaker, right? That every generation would get stronger for Him, that the light would shine brighter, and that the salt of the earth would have greater influence and greater measure that we would dedicate, we would baptize, and we would teach, and we would make disciples, and we would spread the good news to people all around the world. And so today, I'm just going to need your help for the next few moments here, do a little uh, generational shout out. So I'm going to need your help. This should be fun. We're going to find out how many is of each uh, age group inside of our body. The greatest generation born before 1924 1.9 million or less than 1% of the U.S. population is represented. These are folks who lived through the Great Depression and fought in World War II, appropriately named the greatest generation by Tom Brokaw. They are 92 years of age or older. Any in this room, 92 or older? Can I see your hands? Any 92 or older? I can't see you if you... Okay, it's... uh, Oh, right back here. Are you 92? Not yet, but you're coming, Malcolm. (laughs) The greatest, the silent generation, 1925 to 45, 30 million or 9% of the U.S. population. Time magazine in 1951 named this the silent generation. It didn't mean that they were influential. They were very influential. They were huge shapers of culture, 72 to 92 years of age. How many of you are in that age bracket? All right, come on, give them a... Thank you for standing. Yes, I see you. (laughs) 
Baby boomers, we got any baby boomers in the room? 46 to 64, 75 million or 23% of the U.S. population. So named because of the uptick in the birth rate immediately after World War II. Boomers are 53 to 71. Any of you in the room? Can I see your hands? Come on, give them a great big hand clap. Yes. Next, we have Gen X, uh, 66 million or 20% of the population. The name Gen X was popularized by Douglas Copeland novel in 1991. Xers are 36 to 52. Any of you in the room? Can I see your hands? All right, that's a big amount there as well. Yes. We have millennials, 81 to 7, 1997. 83 million or 26 of the population is made up of them in the United States. They were first called millennials in the book called Generations, published in 1991. They are 19 to 35 years of age. Any of those inside of the room? We've got quite a bit of those inside of the room that are represented here. Awesome. Awesome. And so you understand inside of the millennials, this constitutes 26% of the general population in the U.S., but represent less than 10% of the church, you know, the, the capital C, the, the church uh, as a whole in America. Next is Gen Z, which is 1998 to 2014, 74 million or 23% of the population. The Zs are 3 to 19 years of age. Uh, any of you in the room? Yes, I see a few of those hands in the room. Come on, would you give it up for them? What I think is unique in that generation is Dr. James Emery White writes this as the first truly post-Christian generation and numerically the largest generation Z will be the most influential religious force in the West and the heart of the missional challenge facing the Christian church. That is a very true statement. They, they are even less likely than the millennials to follow Jesus and be in church. Generation Alpha, 2014 to 2025, uh, those are young ones. Many of them are back there, but any of those in that age group here, there may be some, but uh, they are 48 million or 15%. They're totally immersed in technology. They learn mostly from visual and interactive, educating, and more inclusive. What this is is really one generation. You see this building onto the next generation. And so if every generation has to start over, then you're not going to create traction from one generation to another. God's plan is that the church is plan A, not plan B. Amen? And I hope we understand that. It is his plan A. But if any, every generation of God's church thinks generationally, then you start to have traction. And, and one generation then builds on another generation. And every generation then leaves a legacy that empowers and positions the next generation to go further and to go higher. I am thankful for the generations that were before me that really, as I speak about my own life, that made it possible for me as a child to have a Sunday school class and to be taught about the Bible. I'm thankful for those teachers that I had and uh, that had to put up with me while growing up as well. And those that provided youth camps and, and youth leaders where in that I met friends and then they mentored me and they encouraged me for the years ahead. They validated me to grow into the man of God that I am today. And I think how my generation has moved church forward as well. I think how my son and daughters are in a better position to live for Jesus than I was at their age. 
And I just want to just take a moment and, and say thank you to the many ministries that are making it possible at Abundant Life Church and every campus to uh, raise up kids pastors and youth pastors and worship and media and raise up those in ministry and men's or women's, whatever. I think it's absolutely phenomenal, and I think they deserve a great big hand clap of appreciation. Amen. Amen. Thank you. When you think about it, what you do is you can't just think about your own age group. You don't just think about your children, but you have to be legacy-minded to at least think three generations deep. Three generations deep. To be legacy-minded is to think that way. And three generations into the future. And matter of fact, this is so biblically grounded that Exodus 3.15, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, the God of Jacob, Three generations. Acts 2.17 says this in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people that your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams, dreaming dreams, dreaming dreams. First John 2.13, I'm writing to you fathers. I'm writing to you young men. I'm writing to you children. Proverbs 13.22, a good man. Can somebody say a good man? Can somebody say a good woman? Leaves an inheritance to his children's children. There, there is a legacy mindset. There's future generational mindset inside of the Bible. And I want you to realize this is to think three is to be amused by other generations rather than arrogant towards them. Because I think we live in such a day where there's such an arrogance towards other generations. And, uh, but, you know, they've been put into our life to be a blessing. Amen that we sang about today, to, to laugh with and to encourage and, and so that we realize that uh, we are called not to be arrogant towards them. We are called to be amused and encouraged by them and we are blessed by them. Most people in society think, well, you know what? My generation was the best generation. After that, it all went downhill, Right? We have that many times where we're like, oh my goodness, you see that generation? Oh, there's going to be a big problem here. That uh, we think that, hey, that's, that's going to be a big problem for them, and they're never going to be able to recover. But God is a legacy-minded God. God is a generational God, and he's always thinking about the next generation that are coming up and being raised up amongst us and in our homes and in our churches, our society communities into the nations of the earth. You know, many times maybe a 16, 15-year-old thinks, well, I don't want to hang out with kids and be able to serve them. But you got to realize you get older that you can't have that mindset to be generational, to be uh, a think three generation. You got 60-year-olds are making plans to buy a Winnebago, put a bumper sticker on it says, I'm spending my children's inheritance and go far, far away. I've seen your campers, all right? Thank you for that hand. See that. But sometimes there's such an arrogance uh, against uh, young people that, well, I don't like their music, you know, and, and I don't like their fashion. And, and uh, when they were young, they, you know, you thought, well, my own life when I was younger, you know, it, I threw my jeans away that had holes in them, or at least I patched them. Now it's cool to have jeans with holes in them. You know, you actually pay more money with jeans and holes than them than ever before, right? It's crazy to think about that, but the, there's such a difference between the generations, and I think what needs to happen is we need to learn to celebrate our differences rather than being arrogant and be standoffish from each other in generations. 
I think God wants us to be generational bridge builders. That's what he shows in scripture. And I see a lot of communities and, and a lot of families are suffering today because of generational bias. And, and that's not going to help us reach the nations of the earth with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I get a big amen on that one? Amen. That's not going to help us if we have generational bias. We got to close the gap between it, and the church is a wonderful laboratory for that to take place in. I see the church as a place we're able to demonstrate that, to bridge the gap. And here's a couple of things, three points today quickly. To think three, number one is to serve down. That I realize a lot of us want to be with people our own age, right? And we get that, we think, well, I can, I can relate to them more. You know, they understand me. But we need to be people that, as older, that we're serving down. And this principle is for everyone. You, you could be a, a grandma in the room, you could be a grandpa, but, but you're helping the younger generations. And if you're in your 20s, you're in your prime time, not only to have a positive influence on, on your own peers, but also on a child who is younger than you because they think that you hung the moon. You know, children are looking up to those that are older than them, teenagers and high school years and college. You realize that. This will change your life. That You're really asking, how can I influence someone in a positive way that is younger than me? And I don't think that we should succumb to all the awkward goofiness that's in society and the weird pride that is out there. I think we should be generational builders, and we need to have that mindset in our heart, and we should have that mindset in the church, and I think that we should show a higher level of biblical thinking, amen? There's a lot of thinking out there, but we're called to have a higher level of biblical thinking and thought, his wisdom, and he will reward that, that then we become influencers, and we become light, and we become salt. What we do many times in church is we have women stepping up to serve in the kids' ministry, and they have that natural nurturing side, nurturing side that comes out of them. But also, and I think that's great, and we need women to do that. But there's also little boys that are in our kids' ministry that are looking around for a man that they can look up to and provide stability and solid ground. And I am thankful that we have some men in our kids' ministry. But, man, I think it'd be great if our men served with our women and that there's never been a time ever like this in our history where kids need to see healthy relationships and healthy homes more than ever before. Come on, if we're going to make the difference, let's make the difference. Let's do it. Let's serve. Let's serve down. Let's do that. We got to realize that, that we need to provide that for our children, for our young people. Beware, because the opposite side is very true. Beware of the abuser. Beware of the dealers that are waiting for them to get off their school bus, that are in our neighborhoods, that are because they understand something. There's power in, the, in a young life, in those formidable years to get into them and to change their thought pattern, to do the things that they shouldn't be doing. I just want us to wake up. I want us to wake up to this, to really ask ourselves, are the things that we are doing on any given day creating a legacy mindset? Now, I understand God is the one that provides the legacy. I, I get this. We live our life, but God provides the legacy in, in our hearts and our minds, you know, but we are doing what he's called us to do for future generations. doesn't matter our age, but that we would get out of our own age demographic and we will serve. Your life and my life will be so much better 
if we are able to serve down and expand your potential into your families and into our communities. Honor the older. Have some older ones mentoring you. I think that's true, that uh, we need to have that. And uh, I don't like to see a lot of the things that we see in our culture nowadays because there's a lot of bad pride sometimes in our younger people that do not want to ask questions to the older and to gain wisdom uh, because they think they have it all. They know it all because they have Google, right? Google can't teach you life experiences, right? There's some gray hair on my head for a reason, and there's people around you because they've gone through some things, right? So it's true. We need to think three. 85% of all people that come to Christ are under the age of 30, and so that's so important. And if we don't get to them in the church uh, before 13, it's when you start seeing major divergence off into areas that the culture sucks them up and pulls them in. So we need to serve down. Thing three is to stay young at heart. Would you say a big amen on that one? Stay young at heart. We all know that aging happens, but oldness doesn't have to happen. Can I get an amen right there, right? Young is not an age, it's an attitude, True? As the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4, 16, though outwardly we are wasting away, you'd say, yes, I understand that. Our bodies are aging, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day by day. That's God's plan. How about Psalm 103? Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul. Forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all of your sins who heals all of your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. You have youth in you. Psalm 92, the the righteous will flourish like a palm tree and they will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. Those of you that say, I'm too old, you're going to bear fruit. You're going to bear fruit. They will stay fresh and green. They will stay fresh and green. God's plan is that we we stay fresh and stay young at heart. There, There are some here that maybe in your 20s that you're already old at heart. Well, how can you say it? Well, a few years ago, a few years ago when you were younger, you had wonder. You had imagination. You wondered whether you could jump over that that, that mud puddle, but you tried it, and you did it, and you found out you landed right in the middle of it, or, and uh, you could, you said, man, I wonder, can I ride my bike without hands, and you did it, but the life set in, and what took place is you folded under the pressure and the hardship of life. My, ho- my hope and my heart for you is that you will always rise above the circumstances that come to try to pull you down, and you would be a little bit wiser in the Lord with your experience without allowing that experience to jade you. You know, we have 25-year-olds that know everything about technology and they're arrogant. You can go up to them and say hello. They can't even look up at you. They can hardly keep eye contact with you. They're already getting old young. They want, me, they want to be all hip in technology, but they've already shut down internally, Right? There are people 
is sometimes they don't hear something right. They get upset. They shut down. Oldness can happen to you no matter your age. And we need to stay young at heart. We need to be adventurous. We need to stay young. We need to keep the wonder and keep the imagination and keep dreaming for what God has put in our heart and what he wants to. So, you know, if you think you're done, you, need, you say, well, you know, I just get up every day and put my head in the newspaper. Let me tell you something. You are not done yet. Because the Bible says, Joshua said, at 80 years of age, give me that mountain. At 80 years of age, he said, give me that mountain. I'm going to conquer that thing. I am going to continue to do it. I'm going to continue to go forward. And, and so I just, you just need to stay young at heart, church. You know, Christian's father this last week, and one of the things he's wanted to do is always zip line. And so what he did is, at 84 years of age this last week, he zip lined down the Smoky Mountains. He's still young at heart, right? Just stay young at heart. Come on, just zip line. Just do it, right? Go on a mission trip. As they spoke about just a moment ago, go, come on, go do that. Experience what God is doing in other parts of the world. Well, I can't leave my country and, you know, and, you know, we get, there's so much fear out there and all those things. Come on, stay young at heart. Come on. Amen. The generational challenge is to be able to sustain youth much further and much longer than the average person. You can stay young at heart, and a lot of other things will take care of itself. No, I don't know what you've been through. And I'm sure you've been through testings and challenges and situations, but don't let it jade you and become an old thinker while you're still young. Start thinking differently. Let God talk to you today. Repent of any sin of arrogance and pride, negative dialogue that's in you, that's maybe been festering in you. Let God do a new thing in your heart and in your life. I tell you what, my mother, uh, before she passed away two years ago, she still was serving in the kids' ministry of the church where my dad was the associate pastor. Still serving because she was young at heart and she loved this younger generation. Come on, let's stay young at heart. Amen? Let's keep doing that. Start thinking differently. Also, to think three is to think beyond ourselves. Thinking beyond ourselves. We said a few weeks ago in our honor series, we should honor up, honor down, honor all the way around. But we need to think beyond ourselves because God has given us a wonderful future that is ahead of us. And I love the quote by John Maxwell because I think it's so appropriate even for us He said, if there's no hope for the future, there's no power in the present. So if you don't have hope, there's no power that you have even right here in the present world, in the paradigm that you are in today. We have a hope in Christ Jesus that's able to give us power in the present right now. Let's keep giving for the future. Let's keep praying. Let's believe and keep believing for our children's future. Dads and mom. Don't just come to church, but come as an example to your sons and your daughters. Because that image will be in their hearts and minds more than anything else. Yeah, my mom and dad served over 50 plus years in ministry, but I still have the image of them getting up, giving, getting up, getting us ready for church, going to church together as a family and serving Jesus together. I told the first service, I'm very concerned about 
the generation that we are living in that lives for so many other things in the place of church, in the place of God, sports. I mean, we, we got to realize there, there are people that miss, they're gone for months at a time because their children is in sports. And I know this is not a popular topic. I get it. We can be missional. We can minister on the field with parents and we, can, we should be doing that as well. But it's the things that we're replacing God with. You don't think your kids see that? I'm telling you something. The enemy has duped you. And you're going to wake up one day. And I hope it's not too late. To get our priorities in line. Oh, that's, you're just old and traditional. No. No, because there's the promise of God work. Seek first the kingdom of God and his promises. All these things should be added unto you. It's legacy-minded. What do we need to remove the distractions, the noise, to say, God, you are my priority. You are the one. I mean, really, if your son and daughter is that good at sports and God wants them in pro sports, God has a way of getting them there, doesn't he? I mean, is he God or is he not? Right? Right? Because you got your priorities straight. Well, we're just going to be gone all summer long. People come back in the fall. Hi, I say, hey, how are you? I don't know who you are. <laughs> right? If you're going to be legacy-minded, if you're going to think three, you got to change your world today. you got to change your life right now. Right? We want to be a church that is relevant to the next generation. So many churches are stuck in the bias. I, well, it's about my generation only. We miss the big picture of God that he has in mind for the church. One generation building on another generation, on another generation, on another generation. That's the call of God to us. It's thinking three. It's legacy-minded. It's a generational mindset. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you today. Lord, as we listen to your word, we understand you're a generational God. We thank you, Lord, that is already in Scripture. I pray that we would be people that are generationally minded, Lord. That, Lord, what we are doing today not only affects us and our family, but our children and our children and our children and our children's children. God, all the way down the line that they will be affected by this. That our children's children and th those children after them will look back and we will be people that they look to that said that they remain committed to the heavenly vision. They remain steadfast even though the culture went a different way. Father, help us, Lord, to be a generation that serves down, that stays young at heart, that thinks beyond ourselves, Lord God, for your kingdom in your glory. And today, Lord, if there is anything that is in our life that is keeping us from becoming generationally minded, I pray right now we would take account of that and you would show us. And we would repent of it and we would move it out of our way so that, Lord, we can remain committed to the call that you have placed upon us. Father, I thank you today that there may be some that are here that have never made the commitment to follow you 
and to receive a new line of thinking and become a new creation in Christ Jesus. So today, as you are here, whether you're online, Clearbrook, Stephen City Campus, if you have never made the commitment to follow Christ Jesus and you want to make that commitment today to be generationally mindset, not only for yourself, but for your children's children, that they'll look back and say, they are my family member that made a commitment to you. If that's your heart today, if that's your desire, and you desire to follow after Christ and become a disciple of him for you and your family, can I see your hand today in this room? Two, three, four. I see four hands. Five, six, seven. Anyone else? Thank you for those hands. Father, I pray right now those that have raised their hands are making a commitment that your word says that we confess with our mouth and believe Jesus Lord. Lord, we are in right relationship with you. We believe in our heart that you have been raised from the dead, Scripture says. That, Lord, in every life today that opens the door of their heart, that believes that you are the Lord and the Savior, that has come to forgive them and cleanse them and wash them, that they are a new creation in you. Father, I thank you today that they will lead their generation and their families forward. God, I thank you for the strength. Make them strong in their spirit to serve you from this day forward. Father, we bless you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, amen and amen. Come on, can you give the Lord thanks for people that came to Christ? Lord, I thank you for those that made a decision. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to get in touch or would like more resources on how to live a successful Christian life, you can always find us at myabundantlife.com. Have a blessed week.